What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi, where we talk all things health-related. We're going to talk about all sorts of health information, as well as, hopefully, clear up all sorts of terrible health misinformation. What's up, Charleston? This is the Healthy Charleston Podcast, hosted by yours truly, Eve Gigi and Dr. Wes Hendricks, where we talk all things health-related. We talk about all sorts of medical information, as well as all sorts of terrible medical misinformation. Today, we got a good friend, great guy, Dr. David Geyer. Say hello, David. Hey, how are you? Thanks for coming, man. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, glad to be here. Yeah, this is going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm really, really excited. Um, why don't we just talk a little bit about who you are, what you do for a living, right? Let's just give everybody an intro for those who do yeah. not know you. So I am an orthopedic surgeon. I've been doing this, figured this out the other day, going on 13 years as an orthopedic surgeon. That's a lot Time. of surgeries. How many <laughs> surgeries do you think you've done in 13 years? Uh, I don't know. I, I I know I've done close to a thousand ACLs in 13 years. So, I mean, wow. I don't know. It, 5,000. I have no idea. That's uh, crazy. It is. It is crazy. A whole lot of that, though, was from MUSC and trauma call and all that, too. But of sports surgery, sports medicine surgery is probably, you know, maybe 75 percent of that. Um, but, yeah, orthopedic surgeon. I specialize in sports medicine. So did a sports medicine fellowship uh, at WashU in St. Louis. Uh, worked with the St. Louis Rams and St. Louis Cardinals, and then came back to Charleston, where I had done medical school and was at MUSC for eight years, and now out at East Cooper. When you were in St. Louis, like who was playing around that time? Like for the Rams, yeah. a big baseball guy, but baseball wise and football wise, like who, who was playing around that? Yeah, time? you couldn't have lived in St. Louis because St. Louis is a baseball town. Okay, yeah, yeah. they would kill me. The right? Rams. That was the very end of the Marshall Falk time. Uh, it was his last year. Um, that was right after they had switched from Kurt Warner to uh, Mark Bulger. So there was some little tension there. Warner yep. had sort of been forced out. Uh, it was Tory, um, uh, their wide receiver. Tory Holt? Tory Holt, yeah. yeah. I remember that. Uh, Adam Archul. football, he got me far that year. <laughs> nice. Yeah. <laughs> I still remember every touchdown he'd, he'd catch, he would uh, bring the ball to, I guess, his agent on the sidelines. They'd deflate it so he could keep it. And I'm sure he had hundreds of these footballs from – yeah, touchdown passes, That's but right. yeah, it was all right. It was it was the Mike Martz era. He was the head coach, and he yeah. was um, different. And so they made the playoffs and got blown out by Michael Vick and the Falcons, and that was the end of the uh, my year and uh, with them. But I did get to uh, go to Green Bay and see a game Lambeau Field. Uh, Brett Favre actually passed two hundred straight starts that night so it, it, there was some good that came of working with an nfl team i don't advise that for anybody that wants to be an orthopedic surgeon it would be miserable to be an nfl team doctor but it was fun for a year why is that i'm sure people think like even for pts like i want to be a sports pt oh, yeah. i want to work for a pro i want to work for a pro team like it just sounds glamorous yeah. like what is it give me a day in the life what's it truly like if you like the ego thing it's cool if you want to say i am the doctor of this yeah. and, and patients will some at least say, oh, I want the doctor of the, of you know, whatever. Yeah. Oh, yeah. The, um, the challenge with it is, though, um, you are their property, basically. And I don't mean it in an ownership way, but they've got your cell phone and they will call you 24 hours a day, 
no matter what. Now I wasn't the head doctor, so I wasn't taking all these calls, but there were so many times we'd be in the middle of surgery. And this always happened on Tuesdays because NFL players get signed. Like they, they, you know, players get hurt Sunday, Monday, you got, you bring in new people on Tuesday to fill those spots. And those guys need physicals. Well, we would be in surgery. Like the case was going on and and I'd have to leave to go do a physical on one of these guys in the ER because they needed it right then. They couldn't wait an hour. They couldn't wait two hours because if they had to know if they were going to sign them or not. So doesn't matter who's asleep in the operating room. Essentially, it couldn't be one of the Rams players. Then it could wait a few minutes. But sure. uh, it was just stuff like that. They'd call about any number of things. And, and that's great if you love doing it. But that's just – it's tough. I mean, it's basically seven, 16 of 17 straight weeks. You're either with you know in town pretty pretty much all day Sunday or you're traveling – Sunday, uh, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and away from your family. You're at practice. You have you have to go visit the facility after every practice and check out all the players. Now you can do it with a team of people, but the head guy they're going to want your opinion. So you're all it's your life basically. So it's not for me. How many docs were usually there? Orthopedic surgeons like on staff at one time. Yeah, the NFL requires a minimum number, and it, this may have changed since I was there, but at least it was um, at home games you had to have three orthopedic surgeons there you had to have two internists you had to have an anesthesiologist you had to have a dentist you had to have an ophthalmologist you had to have a neurosurgeon um there may be more i may be forgetting chiropractor but i think i think those are the physicians then the road team had to have two orthopedic surgeons and internists oh and now you have the concussion people too but uh yeah the uh so the road team has to bring people too so yeah they didn't have those when I was there. They just let the internists deal with it. But uh, yeah, it's it's a big production. It's, awesome. uh, so yeah. maybe tell us a little bit. Like we always are, like digging into people's stories. Like what what led you to become orthopedic surgeon? Like also we'll talk about how you yeah. like to train and you're doing keto stuff and all this other cool stuff. But like what you know? Why an orthopedic surgeon? Why I decided to you know. I don't know that there was any one thing that said, all right, orthopedics. You know, when I was in med school, I knew pretty much immediately that I wanted to fix problems. I could not stand the idea of being, and no, no, um, this is no insult to any other types of physicians, but just the idea of just managing symptoms was not for me, where somebody's got diabetes and you adjust their medicine, maybe their diabetes gets a little bit better, but they still have diabetes. Like you haven't made the problem go away. Mm-hmm. With surgery and not just orthopedics, but neurosurgery, general surgery, all these, at least I felt like you're fixing the problem. So then I spent the last two and a half years of med school just trying to figure out what type of surgeon. And I had it down between orthopedics and neurosurgery and the lifestyle of neurosurgery, at least in academics. What we saw in medical school was just brutal. So we, uh, I just thought orthopedics was good life. You're going to get people back to what they want to do. And just sort of stuck. Yeah. You have an ACL that's popped. You can go back yeah. and reattach it. You have a bone that's broken. You can put a plate yeah. there and reattach it. And I think the same thing is probably what. It's really nice. that easy. That yeah. easy. Yeah. <laughs> Eve's yeah. going to show you how to do that here in, yeah. as soon as we're done. Um, but that's partly the, the sports medicine part too, is that unlike joints and spine where those people probably are going to hurt for a long, long time with sports medicine. And you guys deal with this, you know, in what you do, you're just trying to get people back 
yeah, maybe it's a high school soccer team, but it may just be lifting weights or CrossFit or running. They just have, this is what they want to do. You don't have secondary gain issues. You're just trying to get them back to exercise or sports or whatever it is that makes them happy. There's something really, really great about that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. So, all right. So it was really just the thought of like, you just kind of knew you wanted to always be a doctor too. Like what, like let's dig, yeah. dig, dig deeper. Let's there's talk, a, man. there's a, a long version of this story, which I won't bore you with now, but there was a, so when I was in high school and er, very early in college, I was going into business. That's what I had wanted to do forever. I was going to get my MBA, work on Wall Street. I had an episode in my, I guess it was the fall of my freshman year. So I ran every day when I was high school. Once I quit playing travel soccer, I was like, all right, I got to do something physical. So I was lifting weights every day. I was running every day. Get to college, same routine. You're doing both of those things every yeah, day? Yeah, every day. Okay. And so one day it was, it was after a class mid afternoon, I'm, you know, do my three, four miles around campus and then was doing sit-ups in my dorm room and started having trouble breathing. Um, you try all sorts of stupid stuff like breathing into a bag cause you think you're hyperventilating. It's not working. You splash water, nothing. And so, I mean, couldn't see, I was having trouble hearing oh, wow. just, you know, I was talking and it sounded like I was blowing on a tuba. It was just like, what in the world? somehow managed to stumble over to student health. You know, they uh, ripped my shirt off. I suppose they realized right away what was going on. They slammed a needle in the back of my arm. Anyway, long story short, turned out I had uh, went into anaphylactic shock. Um, From what? This, the, that's where this is headed. Right. So, uh, so uh, anaphylactic shock, basically a life-threatening allergic reaction, but Nothing had happened. I hadn't been stung by a bee, all this. So anyway, I go to an allergist and they You're do all these tests. Yeah, well, yeah, that's where we're headed. <laughs> so all the tests came back negative. Food allergies, you know, everything, bee stings, nothing that I had been exposed to that day was positive. So uh, they sort of did a, one of these diagnoses of exclusion and it was exercise-induced anaphylaxis and basically told me, uh, you know, let's just hope it doesn't happen again. And that just was not good enough for me. So that led to, all right, I'll at least take my science prereq classes because I'm not, you know, we've got to have better doctors than this moron. And uh, um, took science prereqs and didn't love it, but didn't hate it either. And my dad was a doctor at the time. Uh, so I kind of knew his life. And he had always told me, look, there is a field of medicine for every personality. So, you know, stick with it. And just one thing led to another. And applied to med school as a junior and got in, never took the MCAT actually, got in as a junior and the rest is history. You never took your MCAT? Never took the MCAT. How is that a thing? I've never heard that. How is that possible? MUSC had a program for people. They were trying to recruit like people, the best students that live, that were from South Carolina, but went out of state for school. Yeah. I didn't grow up in South Carolina, a little loophole there, but, uh, and so there was a handful of us that applied from all these schools across the country and uh, got in, never took the MCAT. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, okay. I'm not sure I would have ended up at MUSC if I, if I had to uh, go the normal route. Cause all my friends, I was at Wake Forest. All my friends went to Bowman Gray, their wet, their med school. Um, That's just a local one. Wake, Wake Forest. Yeah. It's, okay. it's top 10 in the country though. Okay. So MUSC is in Charleston. So it's just it's a trade-off and 7,000 versus 300,000. But uh, wow. So, no, it's just how things work out. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, my so, so I want to know, 
whatever happened, like the exercise and do yeah. like did that ever happen again? What the hell? Like, That's true. Yeah. That's a really good question. Yeah. It, um, <laughs> so I, I, he gave me that prescription for an EpiPen, which for about, I probably had that for about five years. I, um, or different ones, they would gradually, the case would sort of fall apart. But I carried it every day. I carried it in my right hand. It was always a reminder of like, this really, that was awful. You almost died, but never happened again. There was one day it was really, really cold. And I was starting to have trouble breathing that I thought that something was going on. So pulled the thing out and slammed it and used it. But it, it didn't turn out to be an allergic reaction. It was just really cold and I was just struggling to breathe. But yeah, but it never, uh, it never happened again. Um, people, the killer was the, the allergist that I saw wasn't even who made the diagnosis. It was my dad who was a, he at the time was a radiologist, but was a pediatrician before that, just getting out the medical textbooks and just yeah. reading like it was just, it was really frustrating. And you guys are really active. I mean, if you're told like, well, you can keep training, but this could happen. You're like, yeah, that's yeah, not right. good enough. Yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. No, 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 no. Like, don't, you, know, you could breathe oxygen, but you might at some point die of oxygen poisoning. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, it's that, crazy. It's a part of life. Like, yeah. I mean, I guess scary. his thought was, I, I've tried to rationalize this in his mind forever. The funny thing is he was a friend of my parents at the time, but, oh, yeah. uh, cause I grew up not far from Wake Forest, but, uh, you know, like, you know, in his defense, you're like, well, you're going to start to feel the symptoms early. And if you just then take care of it, it's not going to be full anaphylactic <laughs> reaction. But I'm a dumb college kid. Like, I don't know. Like, you know, I went from sit ups to not breathing in about 30 seconds. So, like, you didn't have that much time. Mm. So, I don't know. Actually, um, a dumb college kid, I think, is way better than the opposite, where like you're inducing like almost like a mental anaphylactic shock every single day. It's like, Oh my God, is today going to be the day it happens again. But that's, that's a real thing. That I mean, is. there were we days where I'd be school. like, I'd be like, Oh my God, like this, like, yeah, it took a long time. That, that yeah. fear that that was going to happen yeah, again. Yeah. And that's why not to change the subject away yeah. from me, but uh, I'm glad to the, uh, but when people tell me like they're worried, they're going to tear their ACL again or something. I know that's real because yeah. I've lived it on the other yeah. side. Like, oh my God, like I'm completely healthy and I could die in five minutes. Just you know, something happens. Yeah. And uh, yeah, knock on wood here somewhere. Yeah. Uh, I haven't had any issues since. Now, to be fair, I don't run anymore either. I, and I've never had any problems lifting weights or bikes or any yeah. other kind of exercise. It was just running. No, that stuff's important. We, we talk about this a lot, like how – a health professional, how our words matter big time, right? Like when somebody thinks they've herniated a disc or when a doctor sometimes may say, hey, you have some knee arthritis, you're probably going to need a knee replacement in about 20 years. Like that can mess somebody up. And I've seen it for a very long time. You know what yeah. I mean? It's like. But the flip side of that is don't you feel like you kind of have to, you can't just not tell them that possibility. It's, it, you're right. It's how you do it. Yep. But I think that the flip side is the, the doctors that, Oh yeah, everything's fine. And you're like, you should at least introduce the idea that, Hey, you've got some arthritis yeah. changes. Like if you don't, I feel like then when they're bone on bone and they're like, well, you know, Why I don't know. Tell me? Yeah, There's not a right know. answer, right? Cause it's, it's, I think it's very much independent on who you're dealing with and that specific person. But I just, I just think it's something that's not talked about a lot. Like a lot of people are like, Hey, you can just say whatever, like they'll be fine. Like, no, like 
what you say in your session with your doctor, with your Cairo, with your PT is very important. What that doctor says and yeah. how they absorb it. And like, then they just, go Google it afterwards too. It's yeah. terrible. Yeah. And then you start reading like all the case by case scenarios yeah. of like, Oh, we've all been web MD. Yeah. 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 Well, and I think that's something that I've appreciated more in last few years is, and you always hear the art of medicine. You think, what kind of nonsense is that? But medicine is not black and white where this is the, this option, this is that. And it's, it's absolutely this, or it's absolutely that so much of it comes down to just looking at physicians. This doctor is more aggressive and tends to go the surgery route, but for that problem, yes, that's an option, but you don't have to go that route. And so you could, you know, any of us could go to two different doctors and get the same general diagnosis and treatment, but they're very different in terms of how it's presented. And let's try this first. It's, it's amazing. And I think that gets to, it's good and bad. It gets to, you really need to find somebody that you're comfortable with. You're comfortable with what they tell you. The average patient though, I feel like does not understand that. They think I'm like a car. I have a problem. I'm going to replace the part and I'm going to put it in. Like they don't see that like in medicine, it's really just correlations, right? Like we don't even definitively know that smoking causes cancer. Like there's no way to definitively, I mean, we know that, right? But there's no, like, this is, we know directly, you know what I mean? Like, cause there's people that can smoke oh, their yeah, entire yeah. lives and yeah. never get cancer. And then one person, you smoke a cigarette and then they, and, and they, they yeah. <laughs> yeah, that like, sucks. you know, so, so it's not like if you smoke a hundred cigarettes, you're going to have cancer. Right. So if you smoke that 99. Yeah. And that's why if you're a medical profession, saying, yeah. you got to like that gray area because we're, we're working in that gray area a lot. And that's why I think yeah. it's so powerful to talk about why words matter and why like, you know, that's why we do, we do as far as like spending a lot of time with patients. Cause it just takes a long time to, to develop that rapport really yeah. Go that extra step. Yeah. And I'm the last person to be able to talk the politics of medicine, but I think that's one of the really unfortunate things of what we're seeing today with insurance companies really, and not, it's not just insurance companies. There's so many factors for this hospitals and everything else, but the having to see more patients in less time is that that's actually the opposite of what we really need. We need more time to explain all this and it, because it's not just, I mean, if it was that simple, yeah, then eliminate the, providers and just, yeah, just Google your symptoms and see what spits out. But that's just not how medicine works. And so, yeah, guys, you guys have that. That's the right way to do it. Yeah, no, I agree, man. That's, I love that, man. We just got into something. I want that to go viral, please. Go viral. <laughs> um, okay. So you're in, um, wait, like wait Forest MUSC, um, then Campbell clinic for uh, residency, uh, yeah. out and- in, um, Tennessee. Okay. Cardinals. And then you mm-hmm. come back to, back to Charleston, Charleston. Yep. do MUSC sports medicine now. East Cooper. Tell us what's like yeah. going on at East Cooper. And what yeah. Doing now. It's, it's so different because I, I go back to MUSC, you know, that was a real gamble because MUSC didn't have a sports medicine program at the time. So, you know, I, I created one and, and ran that for eight years. Still love the people there. R- really proud of, of that group. East Cooper is sort of a different animal, small, smaller private hospital, sort of boutique where they honestly focus on just a few things, basically women's health, orthopedics and, um, um, spine. Sorry. I couldn't think about it for a second. Um, and that's pretty much all they do. I mean, they have an ER and they admit, you know, hip fractures and, you know, things like medical issues, but I mean, those are basically the three services there. And so it's, it's good and bad. You don't have the resources of MUSC to get the pro teams and all that, but you get, kind of a different niche of patients. And so it, it's good or it's good and bad. Uh, I think it's good for the patient. 
you don't have the issues that we had at MUSC. And again, I don't mean this bad about MUSC, but where you were told it was going to be six weeks for the next appointment. And I was having to give every patient my medical assistance direct number because you just, it was just really hard. Maybe they fixed all that now. I don't know. But uh, now we don't have those issues. It's, you don't have 8 million people you have to get through to finally get the person you need and stuff like that. But it's, it's just different, you know, and you have to figure out as a patient, as a doctor, anybody, you know, kind of what situation works for you. Yeah. I think it's really cool too. Like I didn't know you had done business first. And I think that kind of speaks a lot to like, you're not only just an orthopedic surgeon. I mean, you're doing, you have other projects kind of going on at the same time, as far as like speaking and like, yeah. you know, um, tell us a little about, a little bit about, the yeah. cause I think it's so cool. Health professionals stuff that Wes and I are trying to do is yeah. other ways to like, let's call it leverage your degree. I don't know if that's the right kind yeah, of Yeah, that's probably yeah. fair. Yeah. You know what I mean? I like that. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I don't know that I went into it with a plan. I, I think like a lot of people that kind of start, you know, be it some form of social media or something on their website, they just start, start trying something and they figure it out as they go. Yeah. Oh, Wes and I are totally good. Yeah. yeah I mean, Wes's MO all yeah, there's just, <laughs> there's, <laughs> Mine too. Mine too. I'm not going to I mean, there's no right way to do anything. You know, I think like a lot of doctors that try this, at least I was getting frustrated because it was really hard getting marketing money for the sports medicine program um, for a lot of reasons. It, it just, it just was. And so one of the marketing leaders at MUSC at the time said, Hey, you do really well on social media. I had written an article, I think it was on concussions or something on MUSC's community blog and got like eight comments. This is back in 2011, I think. And I was like, wow, like eight yeah. people told you know, like, no, a, it is a big deal. I want eight comments on my Instagram. Yeah. Like, and I was like, wow, like eight people yeah. cared enough to, right. about what I, this, you know, terrible article, you know? And so I asked to write another one and they're like, Oh no, no, we can't have another sports medicine. We got to do urology now. And like, I was like, that's kind of odd. Yeah. So they had suggested, and now I don't think MUSC allows this, but they basically, you know, said, Hey, you should start your own website and Facebook page and Twitter. And I didn't know what in the heck I was doing, but I, oh, the months you put in with your website, you know, you finally get it out. And there's something great. And you guys obviously know this. There's something really cool about having ideas that you put out to the world. Yeah, it's absolutely. damn frightening at first for sure, but it, it's, it's a really cool thing. And I think we need more of that. And then everything I've done since that has just been an extension of that. You know, I wrote a book, I'm doing public speaking now, but it's still, these are my ideas. This is the message I want to get out to the world. I love like so many health professionals are very, very much afraid to do that. And I don't know where that fear comes from. I think a lot of people, when I talk to some PTs, they're afraid that the stuff they put out there, someone's going to use it and it's going to hurt themselves and like sue them, which may or may not be kind of realistic. Like we put a bunch yeah. of YouTube videos out and like, I guess if you don't have a disclaimer on there, maybe somebody could try a deadlift and hurt their back. They can see you for whatever they want. Even if that's you have a all yeah. right. I think you're not covered regardless. Yeah. So just go with it. I need the kind of analogy of like, you can, in the, like the ocean, you live next to the ocean, right? It's Charleston, South Carolina. There's sharks in the ocean. Yeah. At any point in time, you could walk in and yeah, you could get bit by a shark. But do you want to live your entire life and never go into the ocean? Yeah, but what are the odds of actually getting bit by a exactly, shark? Exactly, really right? And so what are the odds of actually getting yeah. sued or odds of actually something bad happening? It's like, man, just, that's how I learn is I just go in there and I do it. But probably going to fail the first time. That's fine. And then I go do it again. I think a lot of it too. I had this discussion with a new grad one time. And I think it's also the, uh, you could call it like the imposter syndrome or uh, imposter, I don't know if it's syndrome, but it's like, if I want to put up a video on social media, but it's like 9,000 other people already put up the video. Like 
did I steal their idea? Are they going to think I stole their huh, idea? Yeah, yeah. I hadn't even you know, thought of that. Yeah. Because yeah. so, how many original ideas yeah, are exactly. there at this point? That's like, what I mean. Yeah. So it's like, yeah. or they're just trying to wait for the next original thing or be the first one to do something. And there's none of those anymore, I feel yeah. like. Well, I, I guess my two counters to that would yeah. be, and you guys do this, so obviously that's not a fear of yours. But one, there's way more people looking for this information than there are healthcare providers willing to give it. So there's Ooh, not, like it's that. not that's a, yeah, it's not a, all right, if he's already done that video, then he's explained it to 7 billion people. Yeah, yeah. Just has it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then, Everyone saw it. Everyone yeah. on earth saw yeah. it. And then two, you may explain it in just a little bit different yeah. way. In just, you make a shark analogy, you know, that resonates with one person that, you know, I think that the, you can have a, I mean, it's not, I mean, there's so many different ways to explain things and there's so many I think there's the, the, the fear that you're going to repeat people yeah. is not the issue. I, I think the, the fear of litigation would, would be something that is ridiculous as well. But I think as long as you're not putting, I mean, we all went to school, you're not putting crazy stuff out there. You're not going to get yourself into too much trouble. I think if you're putting really radical stuff out there, you know, you you rub raw egg on your stomach to get over, you know, hepatitis. Yeah, then you're probably going to be in tr have <laughs> right. trouble. But if you're putting, you know, stuff that there at least is some science, you know, behind, and there's a reason you do it in your practice. I don't think, and you have a disclaimer on your website. I don't think it's. I think it's far more beneficial than harmful. I really do. Um, I, but you're right. I, I don't know the PT world, but the, there's so many doctors that just will not do it. They just more P. I feel like more PTs do it than yeah, doctors. Yeah, that may I don't be see true. A lot of doctors like that are putting out information about like, no. just general health and wellness. Let's just call it yeah. right about how I to take care of their bodies. Top of my head. Yeah, unless you unless you look at people that do it purely to build their practice, you don't see many physicians. I mean, that's not true. There are some, but there just aren't that many. Um, and if you wanted to, you could really build a big practice. I mean, you guys have done great uh, uh, for physical therapy, but you can build a practice purely around social media and do really well. But there, there's so many other, you know, being able to reach people. I mean, my YouTube channel, this is good and bad, but, it, you know, I don't know, maybe 5,000 views a day and maybe 100 comments a day. I would guess... 50 to 60 of those comments are from India, just judging by the names. And I say that just, but just you fact. read yeah. the comments, they don't have access to what people here have. So sure. if I can help them even by just two sentence answers and my four minute video, I'm pretty happy with that. Right. And so, yeah, there may not be a tangible gain in terms of how many patients you're going to get, but that's partly why we all went into medicine is to help people. At least we can do something to help yeah. people. So I, I, I think there's there's a huge upside and a very little downside. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we talk about that with yeah. the kind of program we want to do. It's, just, it's all about being able to help or reach more people, right? If you create a, let's call it a digital program for people to um, rehab their own knee, and it may not be for everybody, but now I can send that to thousands, hundreds of thousands of people. And, and even if I just help a little yeah. bit, you know. Five yeah. people, I'm totally cool with that, yeah. right? Or you can do videos of you working out like Eve does three yeah. or four times a day. Yeah. <laughs> this is me doing deadlifts. <laughs> this is me. I'm just trying to inspire other PTs to, to no, move. Yeah. I'm envious. I, 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 I need to learn something from you on the Instagram thing. It's really cool what you do. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm just trying to put 
information out there, whatever people want to do with it is fine with me. Especially when you do it in like warp speed. The time lapse stuff is so cool. I mean, it's also a 12 minute workout. So nobody wants no, to watch you work out for 12 minutes. You can minutes. have 12 one minute videos on your feet. <laughs> he wouldn't be the first person to do that. Oh, that would be terrible. Let's never do oh, that, So I, I want to cycle back because I feel like sometimes you go off on tangents. Okay. And we never really? address the... Fine. Whereas I'm just like, I asked right away. <laughs> yeah, go like, for what, it. What is his definition of healthy? Okay, his, true. His yep. concept of healthy. I don't know that this is going to be super eloquent, but I look at health as having the energy to do not just everything you need to be able to do, but that you want to be able to do. Whether that's playing sports, whether that's exercising, whether that's sleeping or just playing with your kids, that you your body your emotions, your everything about your your physiology and your psychology are letting you be the person you need to be in your life. And that there's so it's much more than just, you know, what you eat and, and working out. It's, you know, are you sleeping well? It's are you getting stressed down? You know, uh, um, are you basically happy so that you're not going home and yelling at the kids all day? So it may not be the clean definition from a medical perspective, but that's how I look at it. That's what we've been getting so much. And I love nailed it. it. Mine still is. Like, yeah. Your still is the worst. I, I feel like a lot of people have addressed like not so much the physical component as is the mental component. Yeah. Um, like, yes, having a six pack is cool. Yes. Being able to do like cool stuff yeah. is cool. But at some point in time, like, you know, you maintain your health as you get older, but you know, you're going to lose that X, Y, Z deadlift eventually, or that mile time eventually. But if you can maintain happiness, happiness over like a lifetime, Quotation you know, works, yeah. yeah, or how your perception of that, like, I feel like that is like, yeah, got to be pretty healthy. Yeah. I, I love it. The physical that. part is 100%. important. Yeah, I, I yeah. wouldn't, wouldn't say it's not, but I, I think that, yeah, if you, and I'm probably not by any means the most balanced person ever, but I think if you were just physical with nothing else, I, I, I don't know how that well that works. Cause then what happens if you, you do blow it. your knee yeah. out or you. Yeah, yeah. we've seen before, right? We've seen oh, people yeah. who are like have an injury and it like they think, spiral right. downward. Yes, yeah. because their ego is all centered around their training, fitness. You know, they lose that; they're nothing now, kind of. So it's interesting, and I think you could even like if we want to get really weird about it. Oh, I want to get weird. Let's remember get how weird. we were talking about the smokers? <laughs> yeah, like you. I, I wonder. Like, there's no way you can do this, but correlate someone's happiness. You know, they might have been smoking for a thousand years or whatever, but if they've been like the happiest, most engaged person their entire life, like, I wonder how that offsets all the bad habits they do. Or not even smoking, but eating healthy, not exercising. What do you mean, dig into that more? Like, just like, it's kind of like the, I need a better analogy. Maybe I'll come back to this because I feel like I lost you. Just like, I think that, that is more important maybe than the physical component. I completely Be, Being present, being aware all the time enjoying life not always being stressed about everything like yes being in shape don't so the one person that listens to this is going to be like what he doesn't work out he doesn't yeah. like eating healthy no you right? work out all the time we're yeah. three hours a day cool. yeah cool. Um, oh, i'm sorry don't cheat you that <laughs> but i think there's a lot to be said about like yeah happiness or whatever that yeah. is yeah it's been a continuing theme almost with everybody you're not the only one's answer like that you know what i mean it's been like it's not only like my ability to be able to physically do things but like and I my think expectations, my mental. I think it correlates with patience too. Like somebody comes in with a positive attitude. Oh, like I have a knee injury. Oh, yes, all right. All right, what do I need to do to get better? I want to yeah. do it. Positive outlook on it. Okay, what are my benchmarks, my markers, as opposed to, oh my God, I have this knee injury. My father had a knee injury. My grandmother, like, she died from this knee injury. Yeah. You know, it's just spiraling of events, you know? 
yeah. I think that's going to become a big thing in injury rehab. Yeah. I mean, we're seeing it at the pro level, but pros, they hire these people. I mean, they can hire anybody. But yeah. I think you're going to see whether it's full sports psychologists or it's sort of working with therapists or that becoming part of physical therapy school to help with some of the positive energy. I think that's coming. We get some at normal sight, nothing like crazy, but we get a little bit. My newspaper column this week, uh, I don't know when this podcast comes out, so it may have already come out uh, by the time this comes out. But anyway, what I'm going to write about this week is on virtual reality and rehab of uh, athletes and what, is coming. It's already happening at the pro level. It's about to trickle into our world where they're basically going to put these people two months out, say from an ACL. So clearly not ready from, from a, uh, from a playing standpoint, but the virtual reality headsets will show them their team practicing. So they're practicing with the team practicing in air quotes uh, in this virtual reality world. And then the therapists are going to be able to see what causes anxiety, what causes negative reactions and address it now while they're still doing their rehab, be it therapy or whatever. So that when they hit six months or seven, whenever they're cleared, they've already gotten over the fear of re-injury, the anxiety of, am I going to be able to perform? So all this stuff, some people aren't going to need it. No question. But I I think all of us have seen the ones that do. And if you, I think that, how that is it virtual reality or is it just more awareness of the doctors and the therapists? Yeah. But I think the mental aspect of recovery is going to be the next frontier of all this. No. I love blood flow restriction and all that stuff. <laughs> yeah. You guys love to talk about, but the mental side of, of injuries is going to be our yeah. next barrier. Well, there's, there's a huge thing in the PT world. And this is kind of similar to that is like pain science, right? So like part of that where you can kind of perceive pain before an event even sometimes happens. I mean, that's kind of part of yeah. it, right? If you able to like, anticipate where oh crap i'm about to cut to my right like for me if i cut to my right because i left knee like i still think about it and be able to get over that early well, that's amazing be they huge. Can quantify, because right now it's so like hippy dippy to try to talk to a patient about like pain science emotions around yeah. their pain all that stuff but if you can take it quantify it and make it objective things mm-hmm. like it, it just gets it across to them so much easier too and being more mainstream so i can finally talk about pain science somebody's not looking at me like you know, why are you asking me if my cat died? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Well, and it may not be for everybody we treat, but yeah, I think... It increases to the masses. Well. Yeah, and I think that there are a lot of people that, yeah, they may not be trying to get back to a pro team, but if they're not able to do what they want as well as they want, be it, you know, be able to charge up the hill in the Cooper River Bridge Run, they're willing to do what it takes to be able to do that. And so I think there's... I think that it's it's an exciting time. I think we're going to see people be able to do this kind of training later in life, better in life. But there's a lot of things that we need to do better on our side. Yeah, well, that's really cool. Um, all right. So well, one more thing before we do kind of Spitfire stuff. Like you do a lot of training for your own mm-hmm. body. We talked a little oh, bit yeah. about I'll ketogenic diet. about keto. You know what I mean? So like maybe yeah. just dig into like what you're training now and training philosophy yeah. or whatever to keep your own body healthy and as well as, yeah, fasting the, uh, for five days. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I made everybody feel bad talking about that a few <laughs> minutes ago. Uh, you know, so I've lifted weights since high school and, and just love getting in the gym. Back when I did it, uh, I'm old enough that no, it wasn't something everybody did. I had to go to this Gold's gym that was like this warehouse, like it was hot as can be. And it was just the huge bodybuilders. Nobody else did it, but sort of made me appreciate it. Now it kind of everybody does it. And so it's become part of my life. Um, try to do that four days a week in high intensity interval training three. Um, 
the diet thing sort of I always eat healthy. I, I've been sort of experimenting with different things. I did the slow carb, you know, Tim Ferriss's diet for a oh, long yeah. time. Um, loved the cheat days, but uh, <laughs> it was probably not great for me otherwise. My, my big thing now, and I've been doing this since March, is the uh, ketogenic diet. Um, I know that that's controversial. I, I will readily admit that, and I'm not an expert, but it's been good for me. Um, I Each time I – because if I have a cheat day or two, then I get back and I'll do a fast and that's uh, what you guys were, were making fun of me for. I've done two uh, five-day fasts. I think I've done a couple three-day fasts. And uh, then I'll go into keto. And it's been great. What is the fast? Is it yeah, like lemon five, water with cayenne pepper? Or what are you are doing? Are you eating at all like specific? All right, really specifics. So it really is not as bad as you guys seem to think. Um, the first time... And I'll tell you how in a second. But the first time, my only issues were I, I got some headaches, which uh, I, I think was dehydration or lack of sodium, probably. And then it, I struggled to sleep nights three, four, five, which I still don't really have a good explanation for. But no, basically, um, it's it's no calories. But I did, uh, and I got this from Tim Ferriss's book, where you basically are allowed to have like three hundred milligrams of. Uh, either MCT oil to boost your ketones or exogenous ketones, you know, the Mm -hmm. quote unquote jet fuel, which is just awful. But, uh, and then the first day and and get tools for Titans. This is all written out, but I try to get the gist of it. Like the first day you have a low carb dinner the night before. And then the first day you walk for like three or four straight hours, which is not really good for plantar fasciitis. If you're wondering, that is brutal, but, and you drink a ton of water. Um, and the end of the first day was like four o'clock in the afternoon. The first day I was already at 0.5, uh, ketones. So, I mean, it worked like that. Uh, and then basically, yeah, I just didn't eat the next four and a half days. Like, I have a, a blood okay, ketone thing. Being on the strip, no, it's <laughs> li- little finger sticks. That would have been much. The first couple of times you stick yourself in the finger, you're like, oh my God, this is going to be awful, but you barely feel it. And then just uh, you get a couple cups of coffee or decaf coffee with MCT oil. It really is not bad. The, the theory is not just to get you into ketosis for the ketogenic diet, but there's some thought that um, five days of no glucose in your system kills any cancer cells that you have. Um, I don't know that's true. So nobody listening comes sue me for that, but uh, exactly. But um, I feel like it's a pretty good insurance policy and it's not, if I just do that twice a year, I feel pretty happy about it. So there's no, Go ahead. So the exogenous ketones that you said were terrible. Taste, don't like them. Taste terrible. Well, I've gotten used to it. Just imagine the saltiest thing you could ever what have. Brand, what brand? We'll talk about this more afterwards because I use a phenomenal brand. Yeah. I, people have told me there's ones that taste good, but I have yet to find it. It's I a ketone. just had one from Ketone my ester or ketone salt. It must be a ketone ester. Okay. Uh, anyway, I don't mind saying it. It's keto force. Uh, it's a liquid. Uh, it smells like gasoline. Um I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about more yeah. on the show because I know he wants to ask you some Spitfire questions. Have yeah. you have you fasted before too? So I've done different fasts before. Five days? I've, I've done a five days and seven days where I just had like lemon water with cayenne pepper and had some sort of like syrup in there um, just to like aid in digestion. You know, yeah. your diet, like we eat so much and it's not like a, like not to get into like caveman pit, like lunch, breakfast, dinner wasn't a thing, you know? Yeah in the evolutionary process however long ago so like just give your digestion a break every now and then yeah yeah they definitely there's those like blue zones or there's those studies of like 
who are the people that live the longest yeah. and they're ones that consume the least amount of calories yeah, per yeah. day. Like they just live the longest because hmm. that just, it's a process just I like any other process yeah. that uses up I think there's some energy and fuel, about, like yeah, know, taking breaks from something that you're constantly doing on a regular basis. Yeah, yeah. I, and you know, I think with the fasting too, that regardless, I mean, I think your diet should be healthy, whatever diet you yeah. pick. But I think you can you can go a whole long way to sort of canceling out any negative effects of what your diet has by doing intermittent fasting. If you yeah. do yeah, that, I think that that's going to, yeah, I try to do 16 and eight. Yeah, yeah. That alone, I think cancels a whole lot of the issues out. I've heard stories of how you could eat the pizza and beer as <laughs> your one meal <laughs> and intermittent fast and your lipid levels are still good. Now, again, this is way out of my science yeah. world, yeah. but um, plus like, you feel so much better not having a bunch of carbs for breakfast. I, I just don't get it. Uh, English muffins and bagels and all. You yeah. feel terrible two yeah. hours later. If you stick to that, like you have a certain connection to food. When I really do the whole 30 and I really like lost that connection, like it's just different. Like your body literally makes some sort of change. And the thing I want to circle back to is like definitely if you're already eating just a traditional kind of like regular American diet and going <laughs> he to backtrack and he's yeah, like, we got to get Sabaro and McDonald's. You shouldn't go ourselves. from this to eating like yeah. not oh, fasting oh, five days. Like you should oh, try oh, the whole 34 first. Yeah, try that, like yeah. the low carb first and then transition yeah. this. Cause it's I didn't a process. Go from, this is extreme. I didn't yeah, go from full carbs to, yeah. to ketogenic instantly. I mean, I was bulletproof diet before that. Okay, so yeah. I was used I'm to not, not, I, I was used to not having that much carbs. If you're carb normal, carb heavy diets and you try to do a five day fast, yeah. that may be rough the first yeah, time. Yeah, your body's going to. It'll be good for you. You'll but be eating by your probably. Yeah, <laughs> you're probably not going to make it. Yeah, you're not going to make it. I mean, like, there's that disclaimer at the same time. It's also really cool to think about, like, you're a doctor. You didn't eat for five days. Probably a lot of people would think. Like that's really bad for you. That actually like all these negative side effects. And the first time I did it, it was a week I was on vacation. So don't think I was dangerous at work or anything oh, like God. that. Yeah. Okay. That's smart. But still on vacation, that's the time we, most people eat the most, right? Yeah. Like oh, on vacation, I'm going to eat as many hamburgers. Hey, I didn't want to try it us. when I was had surgery one day or something like yeah. that. And get lightheaded and surgery. Right. Pass pass out. Out. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that might be bad. No, trying no, to yeah. explain that in court. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's awesome. All right. So we'll, yeah, let's go. Um, Let's go a little bit of Spitfire. All right. So um, what are you best at? Just pick one thing. First thing that comes to your mind. Uh, communication. Communication. What do you suck at? Uh, discipline to do just one or a few things. I want to try to do all sorts of things. Cool. Here come the fun ones. You ready? Oh, fun ones. Oh, I love these. What is your walkout song? The uh, it changes every few months actually, right, and I don't. I got to think of. Um, <laughs> That's fair. Up until I just heard it in your hip hop studio a few yeah. minutes ago, I would have said Drake's uh, Drake. song. Um, I don't know. I mean, I've got. It typically is something hip hop related because I, I like the motivation to kind of get me going. Yeah, but. Um, yeah, I don't know that I've got one right now. But if you uh, walk out on stage, what are you hearing in your head? You know, hmm. we can circle back. All right, let me give me a few minutes on okay. that one because right. I gotta go with ones that aren't gonna like. Like I'm definitely not making an appointment with him. <laughs> <laughs> True, we are gonna put this out. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite cartoon? When I was a kid, I don't even remember the name of this show. I watched it every morning. Um, 
and my brother actually got it for my son as a gift on DVD. And then I don't have a DVD player, but it was these, um, there were multiple characters. They were like, I guess, superheroes type of things. Just not justice league, but, but it was like part educational and part, uh, uh, action. And they would teach like, it was that whole, uh, how, a, how, a something becomes a law and stuff like his intermarriage. Yeah, yeah, I'll come up with the name of that, but it was, um, Oh, I loved we'll it every it Saturday morning. Yeah, I'll because find it for no you. Idea what you're talking about. Very educational. Yeah. It was on yeah. ABC. Every it was part of their uh, Saturday morning, whatever. But it was uh, they'd fight crime sometimes, and then they'd have these little things. Uh, it was educational. I don't know why I liked it. I was never a huge cartoon guy. Yeah. I was really quickly into like murder shows and things like that, like solving murders, not gory stuff. Right. But I had like a two Solve. or three year periods. <laughs> no, more like a murder she wrote. I was a dork in that respect. No oh, question. Man. Uh, what was the other guy's name? Columbo? Wasn't that yeah, he was never my thing, but uh, yeah, I like I to solve mysteries, but I'll, I'll come up with the name of it. It'll hit me in the next couple minutes what that cartoon was. Scooby-Doo wasn't too bad either. They're solving mysteries. Yeah. yeah. Uh, worst car you ever owned? My first car was the worst car by far. It was a, uh, I don't know the year, honestly, but it was a Pontiac Le Mans. It was embarrassing. But my parents thought that an indestructible car is what you want for a teenager. Sure. Yeah. You know, and, uh, and they figure like if it's not too glamorous, I'm not going to want to be driving it all over the place and showing off. And it was great. I, I drove it for two years in high school and then bought a car. And I'm not the one picture that already came. I know like it was, uh, fire. I remember that. Uh, it was, it was, kind of just this longer, not as long as a Cadillac, but longer, uh, beige car like with 70s, this horrible 80s. interior. Okay. Yeah. It would have been an early eighties car, even though I was driving it in the late eighties, but uh, okay. yikes. If, if you weren't a doctor, what would you be? Uh, this answer probably would be different now than if you had asked years ago. Now I think I would do something where you know, full time, like, public speaking, motivation, that kind of thing. Back in the day, I probably would have still tried to figure out business, uh, you know, Wall Street type yeah. of thing. But now, more speaking stuff. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Very cool. Last book you read? Uh, well, I'm in one now, but I just read finished. read a lot. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I just finished a biography on Jerry Rice. Uh, I love sports biographies. Now I'm reading one on by uh, Abby Wambach uh, from the U.S. Women's National Team, which is fascinating, actually. She huh. is a mess. Um, alcohol and stuff. Yeah. But it's, it's really, she's really open about it. Jerry Rice is great because it's just, you know, knowing how he grew up and, and, uh, he literally picked, uh, cotton as his way to make money as a kid. So his parents could pay the bills and he laid bricks and then just how he made his own weights with these bars and tires that he would hang on them. And then he would run up hills. Like that was part of what they did in practice. All his teammates would throw up in practice. Not only did he not throw up, he would go back after practice to run more yeah. and no, you know, that's why he's the best receiver that's ever played. So um, that'd be a good one to read. Yeah. That's probably a good recommendation too. Yeah. It's called go long. It's really good. Um, last one. I skipped back. What's the last TV show you watched? Um, so my son has me watching this show now called uh, shooter on USA. Oh, uh, Ryan Phillippe. Yeah, it's off the movie shooter by Mark Wahlberg. Oh, really? I, didn't, I didn't know it was based oh on a movie. Yeah. Make a show off that. Yeah, I can't even picture you watching TV. Okay. I was, I was like, oh, I don't know. You won two episodes. I was like, I don't know. But now I'm like seven episodes in. Oh, you get like, hooked, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, they know how to yeah. yeah. 
but I don't I don't watch that much TV. But if I do, I want something that's got like a story that there's a beginning and it kind of works through. Like I just cannot tolerate reality TV because there's no point to it. Right. At least scripted drama, in theory, is gonna yeah. you're gonna find out who the killer is or yeah. who the and yeah, so conflict resolution yeah. conclusion. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. My my kids watch some of that reality TV, but I just can't do it. I, I I'm, it's just not interesting you're to not me. Yeah, I know you're a big Southern Charm fan, Eve. But oh, yeah. it's just I want to be thing. on that show. If you're listening, please, I want to be on there. <laughs> I have friends that know some of them, but uh, really, yeah, I've not seen, my thing. Yeah, I've seen them out and about sometimes. We're like Taco Boy. Just yeah, I would not. Definitely not my thing. Well, all right, man. Thanks a lot for coming on. Yeah, this was tons of fun. We yeah. got a little sidetracked three or four times, but yeah. that, was, that was awesome. Uh, more sidetracked you get, the more views. Yeah, yeah that's what I've noticed. There you go. Awesome. Well, I appreciate it. If uh, you guys are on iTunes, we'd love for you to review us. We know you're out there, so review it. We, I can tell that you're listening because I see the downloads. So review <laughs> it. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. What's up, everybody? Eve here. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Healthy Charleston Podcast. If you did, we would love for you to leave us a five-star rating on iTunes. And please leave us any comments. We're always looking to improve or recommend a guest. Yes, we take recommendations. Also, if you want to learn a little bit more about us and our health and human performance clinic, or we do physical therapy and performance training, please go check out madetomovept.com. Again, that's made, the number two, movept.com. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon.